Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Vanguard advice, no matter what your retirement goals are, they can help you get there and enjoy it for years to come. The financial journey is all yours, but you never have to take it alone. That's the value of ownership. Visit Vanguard.com and explore Vanguard advice. All investing is subject to risk. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Services are provided by Vanguard Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Just before we do get going this week, we would like to point you all in the direction of our new partners over at Pitch Football. On the Pitch Football app, you'll be able to make predictions and rate the Everton squad and performances and interact with ourselves as well through the fan time feature. That's where we record our thoughts on the team at the moment, get a video out to you guys and you can respond and we'll share them through our social channels. It's dead easy and it's free as well. So remember to get your predictions in on the Pitch Football app for the upcoming Everton fixture and download by searching Pitch Football app where you can get all of your latest Everton news. Thanks very much for listening to that message. Here's the rest of your podcast. It's the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. We're here to chat about Carlo Angelotti's informed toffees. It's very happy studio, but my word, lads, this tower is swaying today, isn't it? Ben, ben Crawford's in for his debut today. Um, probably not the best conditions to come in. No, but you know you can't complain. It's a nice, <laughs> it's a lovely, lovely view out of the yeah. city. And even though everything, including this tower, is rocking a little bit, it's still nice to see. Yeah, if you need, if you need anyone like, Yelp or anything throughout the show, it might be Carl Roper. It was been you were saying before we came on air, googling structural foundations yeah, for the I, building. I, I, and that there's, sort of there's not much about the foundations of this building. I can't, I can't tell you. Um, but I, re- I usually want the Blue Room, my appearances on the Blue Room, to carry on for quite a long time, but I honestly can't wait for this to be finished tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got plenty to talk about, plenty to talk about. Like I said, everything are informed. Yeah. Let's so. have a row or something to yeah. take my mind off. Yeah, it. well, maybe in part two, when we come to talk about Jordan yeah. Pickford, because uh, yeah, we are going to be speaking about uh, his 
Issues at the moment, you've got to say. Uh, we'll be playing a couple of clips from interviews we've done this week. One with Matt Cheating from Sky Sports and the other with former Sunderland goalkeeper David Priest. And, of course, we'll get the lads' opinions on that as well. Um, and we'll also look at Carlo Ancelotti's tenure in a bit more detail in part three before looking ahead to those four big games coming up after the international break and whether Everton can finally end some of their hoodoos at Arsenal or at Chelsea. But um, Saturday, first and foremost, Ben... <laughs> It's one of those games where you walk out the ground and think, oh, that was all right there. And then you watch it back on match of the day and think, Oof. was a little bit on a knife edge at some points that game. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, it wasn't by any means the perfect performance by the team at all. If anything, I think really Crystal Palace well deserved to get back in the game, even though it was a bit of a lucky shot that, again, we'll go into later about yeah. Jordan Pickford. But I don't think we were much credit really to get the second goal. I think it was very much against the run of play. And that, to say that in a home game against Crystal Palace, it's quite surprising. I mean, Richardson took the goal really well. Fantastic finish. Great build-up as well from Carvalhoon, which I think has been missed a lot. But, you know, we hit them on the break with a counter-attacking goal. At that point, really, especially after a couple of decent saves from Jordan Pickford after his mistake, that game could have gone either way. And I, I, I worry um, to think what would have happened had we not got that second goal. I think we could have been headed for a draw or maybe Palace would have even grown in confidence at that mm. point and then took the game away from us. So, in the end, to see a 3-1 scoreline, it's... it's just gives us a bit more credit and a bit more positivity going forward that we can keep the results coming even when we're not playing at our best. Well, I think I think I agree with Ben, and I, I was just saying to him before we we came on that there's large parts of that game I can't remember because it wasn't it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. a memorable game. But I think it, it for me it's a game that kind of marks the evolution of Everton since we we sacked Silva, and that the first thing is is to stop losing. Mm. The next thing is is to you know win dirty, win scruffy games and then the next bit which might be you know to win games with a bit of flair and you know quite comfortably without shaky periods will 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 be to come um and you know there was a part of that game in the second half where you think where, where is how's this game gonna go you know no Evertonian whether they do it in the ground on Saturday and listening to this this podcast they'll uh, will need telling that we all possibly expected yeah. the worst to happen yeah. on Saturday but it didn't, mm. and and it's the same with what happened at Watford the other week. Is that we managed to get a result, um, you know, by you know stopping it going anywhere. So at Watford, where we got the two mm. goals at the end of the first half, stop, you know, kind of stopping them at Crystal Palace going a second, and then because we're allowing some of our players are growing in confidence, particularly uh, Richarlison, a bit of individual flair. Uh, and he, and we scored a goal and we're back on top and I think yeah. that it, it to me it was just another part of the evolution of Everton under Ancelotti and I think as, as well Ben you know Carl mentions the two games there and they've both been worn in unconventionally Everton ways you know you yeah. look at the game against Watford and that, that, that was a match that down the years Everton lose later on you, you come away thinking oh, we did well for a while there but we ultimately lost that it was, it was a bit heartbreaking but they got over the line and I think in the build-up to the game, when we were speaking on, on various shows about Crystal Palace, it was one of them you looked at and thought, we should win, but they are a tricky side. And early kickoff, it had all the hallmarks of a bit of a 1-1 at home, or you know, us getting beat 1-0 from a Zahar goal, or Ben Teke's inevitable strike. But they just managed to find a way through. And I think Carlo Angelotti has got a, a huge job on to rid Everton of their innate Everton-ness. But I suppose it's encouraging early on in, in his tenure that maybe that, that gradual process, that long process is beginning already. Absolutely. I think uh, the term mentality shift is one that's been bandied about, yeah. bandied around 
this week a bit more. I think that was one of the key elements of the job Ancelotti had to take on. It wasn't so much the performances or the individual performances. It was changing the whole mentality of the club. And I think that was the most difficult difficult part of the role he took on. You know, how many times have we seen games like the Newcastle one with late, two late goals and it's nothing surprising to us and it's not a shot and that's the worst bit about it. It's, the worst bit about it is at the end of the game when... You know, Evertonians are saying, like, where I sit in the park and say, no, I can't believe it. But I sit there and I go, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's not that I can't believe it. I, I, yeah. I can believe it because it's happened so often. So the fact that we've got the late winner against Watford and then we've seen this game through under slightly nervous circumstances in that second half, especially when we were all a bit worried uh, about Pickford's form. I think it's just nice for us to be, like, like you've said they're called winning dirty so also not winning and playing well because like you say maybe the next stage is for us to start turning scrappy wins into you know sort of majestic wins where we play yeah. silky football but at this stage at this stage of the season especially after Christmas and that he's just come in with the record he's got we are winning so-called the expected games but those so-called expected games are the games we've messed up so often in the past and like you say there Matt um, you know, if Marco Silva was still the manager there, you'd have probably banked on losing two one or even drawing one all or two all. Wilfred Zaha getting on the score sheet as well, because it's just some nothing new to us. Whereas it does feel for the first time, Touchwood, that under Ancelotti we seem to be turning the tide in that sense. And I think it'd be fair to say, Carl, that when at the moment Everton are the playing decent, they're playing decently. But I think what what you need to put together a run like we're on when you're playing average football so to speak and we're still not there yet in regards to you know Ben's right we are being scrappy and we are just digging them out what you need to get wins when you're playing like that is some special footballers and when you look at that game and you think about the 5-10 minutes after Crystal Palace score and the nerves in that ground and the the angst and you know Palace hit the post directly from a corner don't they and you're thinking we could lose this and all of a sudden one lad gets a grip of the ball drives 30 yards down the pitch and scores a wonder goal and I think when, you, when you've when you got that base and you, you're, you're quite solid you're playing alright in midfield, you've got alright wingers, to get by you need lads at the top end of the pitch who can do that sort of thing for you and Richarlison is relishing that at the moment isn't he? Well for sure it's great to have a player like that in the team who can chain games You know, he, he was the one who broke against Watford yeah. wasn't he for the uh, for the winner, uh, you know, he, he, he's done it there. You know, and taking it back a little bit on these kind of scrappy wins, you know, the Brighton game over the Aldi, yeah. I mean, that was a slog, Absolutely, wasn't it, that yeah. game? He scored a brilliant goal, but great little turn in the box and, and slotted it in. But that was a slog, and, you know, you know, I don't really want to kind of go on about the kind of silver area. It's, it's a part of Everton's history I'm trying to forget. But, um, you know, we know what would have happened in that game because we, we all lived through it. And I think, you know... Um, what I think will happen with with Ancelotti is that um, I don't know whether Everton will ever play you know Guardiola style kind of you know cosmic football, no. but I think we'll play. Uh, we'll, we'll become very solid. We'll become very hard to beat in the first instance, and then we'll start to win games comf- comfortably because I think that's the way all of Carlo Ancelotti's uh, teams are played. The the difference will be is either developing some of the players we've got, the likes of Richarlison, who I think has improved actually since Silva's gone. The thing that always used to annoy me is he spent most of his time on his backside or or, or, or looked to fall down rather than carrying on running, and now he's carrying on carrying on running. Calvert-Lewin's renaissance, which you're basking in. Um, <laughs> you know, and if we, if we can add... A couple more players with that flair, then I think we'll be. I think we're going to be a pretty good side, um, certainly next season. I think we're going to finish the season quite strongly as well. I'm quite confident of that. 
I mean, it's it's a thing that the thing Richarlison is. It's interesting, Ben, because all the hallmarks were there for him when Marco Silva left to to not be what he is now. You know, the, the lad who he's worked with in English football is you know his entire time here pretty much has, has gone. Um, he signed a new contract. He was getting stick about being you know on his backside all the time. All those things were there, and it wouldn't have been a surprise if he'd been somebody who just struggled to get to grips with a new manager. But it's almost like that safety blanket being torn from underneath him has just given him a different lease of life. Absolutely, I know. Um, a few times he referred to Marco Silva as like a father figure, didn't he? Yeah. When he signed for him at Watford and obviously at Everton, I for one was worried as well when Marco Silva left, whether he down tools or not. Only because we kind of seen it a little bit before at Watford when Silva was sacked. He, I'm not saying he down tools as such, but he completely lost his way and lost his form. Yeah, he and had the, a long run, didn't he? About scoring, he did a long season, run, yeah. and it was almost as if when we eventually bought him, it was a bit of Watford fans thinking. We've got a player of the books for a good fear because he's gone completely missing for the last six months. But I am very impressed, I've got to say, since Silver left that he, he has sort of ditched, like you say, Carl Rowland all over the floor and maybe Ferguson scared it out of him. <laughs> maybe, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. you'd listen to Duncan Ferguson. Or maybe Ancelotti is just maybe subtly coaching him out of it. And that's what great managers do, you know. It was a worry for me because, to sound a little bit silly, because you always get players like Zaha who will go down easy for the team and try and win free kicks, penalties, etc. Richarlison wasn't even very good at it. Like Richarlison yeah. seemed to go down after a free kick had not been given off the ball and then get back up as soon as the ball went out of play. So he wasn't even sort of doing it to try and win any fouls or free kicks. It felt like he was trying to do it as an excuse in case he'd missed the chance. So yeah. Exactly, and frustration. We've seen what his frustration can lead to at times. So it is just really good and really positive to see him and your mate Calvert-Lewin <laughs> playing <laughs> so well up front together. And it seems that Ancelotti is getting a really good tune out of him. And that that's only positive because even after he signed the new contract, I think he signed that while Silva was still there, didn't he? Yeah. A couple of days before Silva was He was very much on the go. brink though, wasn't it he? Was, yeah. It was, yeah. So he, he, he can't have been naive enough to not think that something was happening with the manager or maybe even the club told him. But, you know, especially with all these sort of rumours floating around where £85 million bids are being made or not being made, it's nice to see him knuckling down and improving because then they, even if Barcelona or another big European team come back in for him in the summer, you know, the deal's going to be on our table. It's us, it's, it's us to set the fee and it's us to set the terms. If Even if he does, that's if he does want to go. I mean, I have to say, I mean, it was it was the only problem I had with Richarlison. I mean, like, the rest of them was fine. What is the play acting the, side the, of no, it? No, well, I don't even think it was kind of play acting. It was just a kind Petulance, of... Petulance, wasn't he it? Yeah. it? He just thought it was better if there was a to, to go down than yeah. stay on his feet. Yeah, too many times. That's all. I, you know, I don't want to kind of make a drama out of a crisis, but I just think he had a tendency to do that. What? Why he did that? Whether it was a frustration, I don't know. Psycho- psychology. It was just what he's, you know, whether maybe some, you know, sometimes managers do tell players go down, try and get the free kick, but he seems to have stopped doing it. Hmm. Well, Wilfred Zaha does yeah. it for one, doesn't he? Yeah, he seems to have stopped <laughs> yeah. doing it. So, and that's good. But you know, I, I think the, the, you know. The, you know, we'll maybe go on to this a bit more when we talk about Pickford. But you know, when when we talk about getting decent managers at Everton, that that's not just to say we've got a decent manager. There is an effect of having a decent yeah, manager. Yeah. There is a very pra- you know, you know, Manchester City didn't go from playing the way they did under Pellegrini to Guardiola by accident. It was because Guardiola's there. You know, it's. If you took Jurgen Klopp away from Liverpool, that team wouldn't play yeah. the way it does. We've got a guy now who's seen and done it all and won it all, 
and you know, he is going to start getting a tune out of players. You know, even Schneiderlin played well on Saturday. <laughs> a player that yeah. you know, you know, we, we all have our differences over players, but if there was one one thing unifying the Evertonian diaspora, it mm. was a kind of thinking. Well, that guy should never have played for Everton again after the Arsenal game under Allardyce when we lost five two at the Emirates. Mm. You know, that was almost like a unifying yeah. coder amongst Evertonians. But he only got a tune out of him on. <laughs> on on uh, Saturday, so you know, there you go. I think it was one thing. Point I'm trying to make it. It was interesting for me this week to see Ancelotti talking about future transfers, and he was saying that the club don't necessarily have to go out and buy great players. They can buy good players, and he can make them great players. Yeah. And that to me is exactly what you get from it. I mean, and again, I don't like to use the example. If you look at someone like Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola, not everyone that they've signed have been. Superstars yeah. when they've come to the club, they've they've improved players like Jordan Henderson this season. Yeah. Again, don't want to go about Liverpool. Jordan Henderson has turned into a really good player this season, probably because of the coaching of Jurgen Klopp. Because other managers have been there and not got the same tune out of him. So for Ancelotti to come out and say that, it must give the board a lot of reassurance I, that they don't need to spend we're, we're not, hundreds of millions. Sorry, yeah. we're not going to sign top top no. players. You know, we're not going to sign Mbappe. They're not going to come. We're not playing in Europe. Mm. You know, we might get into the Europa League. You know, unlikely we're going we're going to get into the Champions League. So, you know, we've got to have players. I know that the combination of their potential, raw ability, potential and a great coach come together to see that, you know, to, to turn into some of the players who've gone to Manchester City. And yeah, you know, we, you know I, I don't want to big up Liverpool, but let's use them as a benchmark rather than anything Well, you else. can't knock, half can you, t- at the moment, I mean, yeah. half the team, half those players in Liverpool's first team, Weren't anything near what they are exactly. what they are yeah. now. I mean, you know, Mo Salah was hardly like ripping up her trees, Robertson. was he? Robertson, um, like I say, um, Henderson, yeah. Milner. You know, you can go. Well, you can go see yeah, the yeah. team, can't you? There's only probably Van Dyke who they bought in at, at the kind yeah. of top of his form. So let's use them as a benchmark, and and you know, let maybe take that into account when we're when discussing some of the current shortcomings of the squad yeah you say about Mbappe there he probably won't get in the team at the moment with the way Dom and Richarlison are playing <laughs> not anyway. we, well, <laughs> just uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, play him on the right maybe, I was going to yeah. say I think yeah. I'd probably yeah. just about yeah. move Theo Walcott over yeah. and just the, with the accommodating wouldn't we just yeah. about uh, just, just finally before we go to the break I did, I did want to mention uh, Calvert-Lewin I'll, I'll come to you first Carl I think <laughs> it's um I remember in Lukaku's first season at the football club 13-14 and he was on a little run like this and there was a game against Stoke where we were winning 3-0 and everyone was quite happy, you know, been a good performance and Lukaku scored really late on just to tap in and then he, he got subbed off and everyone just walked away from the ground feeling loads better because you, you know, he was number nine but he centre yeah. forward had scored his goal and just kept that little run going and yeah. it feels like Carvalho's in that, that position now where he's, he's obviously playing well but Every goal, every little tap when he gets, he just seems to get that that little bit more confidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? We all wanted him to score that second goal, didn't we? You know, the, yeah. the, the one. Um, but I remember us having a quite a long discussion about Calvert Lewin a while back on yeah. one, one of my first appearances on this. And you know, you you know, give you give you due credit. You know, you've always been a supporter of him. I don't think I was kind of think trying to remember what was I critical of him. I think I think what I said was because he's a forward. The bottom line for forwards is scoring goals. Yeah. You know, no one ever doubted his commitment and his work rate. But at the end of the day, if you if you if you play up front for any team, you, the bottom line is can you can you score? And he's now starting to score. And happy days. I I completely echo the sentiments there from Carl. It's 
I've not been his biggest fan. I'm going to tell you, Matt. I'm sorry, but I've, right. I wasn't. Uh, be coming back on again. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't somebody I held in much high estimation because he simply didn't score goals. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We all love his endeavour. He's great at holding the ball up. He's great running behind. His work rate second to none. But you know, we've seen that in far less talented players than him. It doesn't take a world class player to run about, try hard, especially at a young age when they're trying to be so impressionable on the game. But, you know, me one criticism of, of Calvert-Lewin was that he didn't score enough goals. He now scores enough goals, so I'm happy. Yeah, likewise, uh, but all that happy. Uh, maybe not when we talk about Jordan Pickford in a minute, though. <laughs> uh, that'll be next here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Just before we get back to this week's show, I thought I'd check in with some numbers from the Pitch Sport app, who are our new partners here on the Blue Room. And, of course, these figures relate to the game against Crystal Palace. On the Pitch Sports app, you can rate Everton's performance. You can rate them out of the match. I'm going to go through some of them now. So the team selection, Carlo Angelotti obviously made a few different changes at the weekend with Michael Keane coming in, Seamus Coleman coming in. His team selection was given a rating of 8.2 over on the app. And Carlo himself got a rating of 8.1 for his team selection. And the changes he made on the day, Gibraltar the UB's one caused a bit of bit of debate, you'd have to say. Uh, Mason Holgate and Tom Davis coming out in the game as well. We've got a some park atmosphere. It was rated at 7.8 and the referee down at 6.7. Uh, not the best game for the referee again. But uh, the man of the match, only one man wasn't there. One blistering run and finish to score Everton's go-ahead goal in the, the match to put two one off. That was Richarlison. And of course, that towering header that Dominic Carvalhoon profited from late on. If you want to get involved in those ratings, have your say, interact with ourselves. It's Pitchsport app. Do get onto anywhere you download your apps from and type in Pitchsport and you should be able to find it. We are back for the second part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. We'll catch up with the lads again shortly, but of course, Jordan Pickford is a man who's been in the news this week based on his performances and his comments after that game against Crystal Palace over on the Blue Room Extra. We've been talking about his form a lot. We've had two calls this week that have been really interesting. We've had some interesting background on Jordan's form. The first voice you're going to hear, we Matt Cheating from Sky Sports, who provide us with some numbers about Jordan Pickford and how he's been playing at the moment. And then we heard especially in an exclusive interview with David Priest as well, the former Sunderland goalkeeper, who's gone on to have a career in the media as a fantastic goalkeeper analyst. So here's what they have to say about Everton's toiling number one at the moment. It's unfortunate how it went for him on, on Saturday. If he'd, he'd made that routine save for the goal and then conceded the one that was at point-blank range, which was an excellent save, then it would not be such a talking point. But the way he did concede it, it was just it was such a, a bad look. Um at that time, it was a run of five successive shots on target against him that went in. I had a few people asking on Twitter how that compares to other goalkeepers. And to make a very basic attempt at context, the vast majority of Premier League goalkeepers will save between six to seven of every t- ten shots on target faced. So conceding five in a row is certainly not a good look. Uh, if you kind of group in all the goalkeepers together, 18 of the 20 to play meaningful minutes this season all have a save percentage between 62 and 75%. Then you've got Alisson massively at the top, top on 85% and Kepa right at the bottom on 55%. Um, but the, the worrying thing for Pickford is that at the moment only Kepper, well Kepper's the only goalkeeper saving a lower percentage of shots on target than Pickford. I mean that that's it's it's interesting that because I remember we spoke earlier in the campaign, and one of the, the traits on the silver was that even though we were conceding fewer chances, that we were one of the you know the teams with the leakiest defence in, in the league. Is, is that has that changed at all under Angelotti? Are, are the team conceding less chances and, and less chances in regards to the XG of those chances, or is it stayed very much the same? It stayed similar. It's actually dropped a little bit under Angelotti, but I mean the defence was always good on paper under Silva, but the chances we conceded, as you, as you said, 
were always quite good chances. Um, I mean, the thing with, with Pickford, the thing with goalkeepers, there's always such a small sample size, even over a whole season, that a few saves or a few clean sheets can really change your ranking um, by quite a considerable mar- margin. Um, mm. We've discussed before with Pickford how he can have trouble with crosses. He's not always the best at dealing with shots from range. And despite his technique, his uh, his distribution can be quite hot and cold. So uh, the one thing he's always been very strong at is his reflexes and, and just his raw shot stopping ability. So it's definitely a concern if, if that kind of of error starts slipping into his game. Mm. Um, what, I mean, just just away from the stats, Matt, what, what, what would you do in regards to Pickford going forward? Do you look at him now and see him as a, as a major area of weakness in this Everton side or is he, is he someone that you still think is worth investing a bit of time in? Um, I'm kind of torn torn between it to be honest. Um, I still think he's young enough to be able to develop. Goalkeepers tend to do that later than most players. Um, he does have a lot of raw attributes that are very hard to kind of just put in someone. Uh, his exceptional reflexes. You'd hope that his technique would be able to kind of make him one of the most polished and distributors at some mm. point in his career. Um, I'm not sure how you. I'm not an expert, um, but I'm not sure how you'd improve his ability from crosses. I still feel that's quite a weakness for him. Um, but yeah, I'm quite torn between it because also at the back of your mind, you're thinking he is England number one, and that can at some point attract inflated bids. So. I, I think this this is probably one of the the big criticism, if I have any, of sort of Jordan the way that Jordan sort of his plays his game. He's very highly strung. Now, up until the last couple of seasons, up, up until that point where he, uh, you know, he saves the, the, the penalties against Colombia in the World Cup, and he has great performances and he, he gains a lot of credit from that. Up until that point, it's almost that his, his character and personality it helped him. You know, it, it's, it, you know, he he, uh, he, he has like a, I said before about like this 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 innocence and youthful enthusiasm that sometimes it's great because it, it block it, it's blocked out everything that's happened to him. It's almost like he doesn't um he doesn't feel the pressure because um just because he doesn't realise it's there. He's just enjoying the game. Where now because of you know things have changed in the last couple of seasons and and goalkeepers who perform like he does, who like we said, who are like seem highly strong on the pitch what you're always going to do is is have um, sort of fluctuations in, in performances. Mm. There'll be games when that will help you greatly and it'll keep you on your toes and you 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 know you you feel superhuman. But if it's in games when you 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 need to be focused on uh, you know you're not used a lot and you need to be focused on every moment when you are uh, when you're called upon, being highly strong isn't isn't something that you want to you want to do. And I think. More often than not, now there's, there's so many, like, it's a wide spectrum of goalkeepers. There isn't just a template saying this is um, this is the way a goalkeeper should be. This is how a top class goalkeeper should be. Because from All Black to Allison to to Jordan himself, it, you know, it depends on the, the philosophy of the team, and they have to fit into that as well. But one thing I will say is that probably from um, you know someone like Edwin Van der Sar onwards, goalkeepers now tend to be Karma mm. and to be, you know, it, it's about decision making. And like I said, when you it, when you you're highly strung, you know, you, you, your head can be all over the place, and you, you sort of everything's hectic. You'll need to be one that calms everything down. And if you like that, your decisions can be a bit erratic as well. So that's probably why that, like you said, there, there isn't one part of his game that we think that that that's what he needs to improve on. It, it, 
it can because your decisions decision making is affected. It, it goes across all parts of your game. And I think that yeah, you look at the, the who the best goalkeepers in the league at the moment. You know, two of the two Brazilians mm. in Liverpool and in Man City. Look at their demeanour. Look at the way they they're really calm and more often than not they make the right decision because of that calmness as well. So it, it, it's just something that's uh, like I said. It, I thought it would have been something that would have came just after that World Cup. I thought it would have been like that's it. He, he's reached that level. He, he's been able to cope with the pressure of playing in, in World Cups uh, when he's had little international experience before. And I thought then we would see the the, the, the maturing. And I think that you can blame other things. You know, it's it's been uh, it has been exactly been a, a stable ship at um, no. Everton over the last couple of seasons, and. Even though you know you look at the league position now and the, the results from Angelo, it looks a lot steadier now as well. But I think now he seems to have a, a settled back four. You look at that back four from Saturday, Dania, Mina, Keane, and uh, Seamus Coleman. You know that's a steady back four, and if you can keep those together, then it should benefit him. He should be sort of become more uh, secure because of that as well. But um, yeah, I think I just just think that it's it's maybe it's time for him just to just to focus on his game, like I said. Do you think that's something that maybe we overlook a little bit, supporters? How much of an influence the the new manager and and certainly the coach that those managers bring in have on goalkeepers? Because I suppose we always talk about the the managers and what you know, the style they want to play. And we talk about the outfield players, but. I suppose in some respects, when it comes to one-on-one work or you know one-on-free free work, you probably have a group of about three goalkeepers. The the goalkeeper actually works probably closer with the coaches at the football club than anybody else in the squad, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it, be, it becomes much more of a personal relationship. Hmm. So I think that you know it takes time to get to know the the characters, and you'd have three goalkeepers in um, in a squad in the first team squad, but each of them needs different things. You have to tailor uh, sessions to to make sure every, everyone's covered and everyone's improving their different aspects of the game. And I, I think you're right. It's um, I, I mean, I do think that um, the last goalkeeping coach, Hugo Oliveira, I thought he would, he would have been good for um, for for Jordan because I mean, I, I did my uh, my first goalkeeping uh, qualification in uh, the Scottish FA with Hugo. And um, I mean that was a, a long time ago, but he was, you know, he's really inspirational. He's, he's not just a, a drills man. He's he, he's got a real personality. And but like you said, like I said before, and you've just said that it's um, it doesn't help chopping and change all the time mm-hmm. because goalkeeping different goalkeeping coaches work in different ways. And uh, it would be great for to, if for, for Jordan if he if he knows the type of goalkeeping coach that he wants that he had some sort of influence over that. Because um, you know you, you need really somebody who say get the best out of you. It, it, it doesn't make a good goalkeeping coach or a bad goalkeeping coach doesn't take responsibility for the performance on the Saturday. Hmm. At the end of the day, it is the goalkeeping coach. I think a lot of it's overplayed, and the you know the role that a goalkeeping coach has in the performance on the Saturday. But of course, uh, psychologically, you know if he's working well during the week and he's happy with the work that he's doing during the week, then. Of course, that's going to translate to the Saturday as well. 
yeah, great stuff from the lads there. If you want to hear more of those interviews that are over on Patreon, on Blue Room Extra, if you want to hear a bit more from us, do go over there. Um, like I said, the lads are going to have a chat about Jordan Pickford now. Um, Carl, you've been defending him this week on social media. You've seen him vehemently behind him. Um, still got full faith that this lad's going to come good well, for Everton. Let me just say from the start, I don't have any personal loyalty to any players who mm. play for Everton. You know, if they turn out to be bad, we should get rid of them. Okay. You know, and I, I apply the same rule to to managers as well. You know, my loyalty is I support support Everton Football Club. I don't support um, have a particular you know um, not like die in a ditch um, <laughs> loyalty um, to pl- to players. I think I think where I am with Jordan Pickford is there are the stats which you can't argue with. Mm. You know, you know if 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 his save ratio is one of the worst in the league this season. I'm not. I can't argue. I can't argue with that. I suppose. I suppose my my defence of him is, but is is that he's still England's number one goalkeeper. Um, he is still got more of his career ahead of him than is behind it. He still in each game always seems to make an exceptional save. Latterly, he's made some mistakes. Most mm. obviously on Saturday. And to me is, what is the best environment for him to flatten out these errors, to eliminate these errors from his game um, and become a great goalkeeper for Everton Football Club? So my my take on that is, is that as a fan base, when we have a player like this, who isn't wholly rubbish, mm. but isn't performing at the top level all the time, is what do we do? Do is it best to put a, an arm around them and create an environment where they can address these issues, or do we organise, you know, which we are very good at, you know, Evertonian pylons of one of our own players? And I think with Jordan Pickford, you know, constructive criticism and pointing out some of the deficiencies is fine, but it's like we almost Evertonians want to, oh, even when we win a game, we always want a scab to pick, and Jordan Pickford is this month's scab to pick. I think it's fair enough. After the weekend, though, it's fair enough that, you know... And to be fair, he's he's probably... We probably won't be talking about his yeah. error that much if he hasn't come out and said what he said after well, the game. You know, I, I said... I, you know, I put on Twitter today, surprise, surprise, Jordan Pickford is a human being and he gets irritated if he feels, if he feels, it's his perception, that criticism is disproportionate. Probably not unwarranted, disproportionate. And he said something about... England players do get more stick than others. I actually think that's probably true. Mm. If you cared to go back, the, the, the you know the um, you know Wayne Rooney playing for Derby. I've seen a couple of games where he's played gets booed. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why you know um, Stoke fans are booing Wayne Rooney when he's playing for Derby, but I think it's probably because he used to be the England captain. So you know that that is probably too i mean the other bit is about is, is he's got a bit of a lively personality and he you know he he kind of you know the 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 you know i'm not even going to call it an incident when he went to look, watch the darts he was off duty it was immediately after a match we didn't have a match the day before he was out with his mates he has a few drinks he stands on a chair you know and and he's a, he's a little bit you know he's a little bit loud well big wow Big wow. If he's, if he's saving shots all the time, no one's got a problem with that. If he's made a mistake, then it's a big issue. That's, that is that is the pro quo being footballers. 
So I suppose for me is, yeah, he isn't having a great season. But incidentally, neither are most of our squad. Mm. That's why we've sacked the manager. That's why five, five or six games ago we were in the bottom three. Hardly any of our squad are having a good season. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying there, to be fair. I think with Jordan Pickford at the moment... I'm actually in the minority because I actually do have a bit of sympathy with him after what he's come out and said about uh, sort of the stick he's been getting because he's an England international. If we cast our minds back, how many good, uh, near enough great England goalkeepers have we seen ruined by the England national team? I mean, I'm talking like if I said to you now, David Seaman is an England goalkeeper, the first thing you think of is when he got lobbed against Brazil. And that pretty much marred what was okay the end of his career, but it marred whatever happened after it. It's happened with Joe Arth, like to Paul Robinson since. And I think Pickford's very close to being the next to fall foul of that. And I hope he doesn't. Because to me, the fact that he's a little bit erratic and the fact that he's sort of got a being bonnet over this, I think it shows he cares a bit more, to be honest. The fact that he, he feels the need and the frustration to go out there and go to the media and challenge them, to me, means that he's got self-belief. And I've said in the past, when he makes a mistake, some people perceive his reaction as a bit immature and a bit lazy to just sort of not too much self-blame and just throw his toys out of the pram. But what's the alternative when he makes a mistake? Is he supposed to then turn round and start getting teary-eyed and start saying sorry to everyone and be weak? That's not That doesn't happen. I mean, you think back, obviously I'm not comparing the two ability-wise, but you think back you know, to our greatest ever goalkeeper, Neville Southall, he was erratic. He had, a, he had a strong personality. Okay, you're not comparing apples to apples quite there because he's a much younger keeper. But the kind of personality sometimes you need from a goalie is that petulance. But like you say there, Carl, he's got to use this time now while he's got more of his career ahead of him than behind to iron out those issues. And I think once he does that and concentrates on his football, I think we'll reap the benefits tenfold. I mean, I think, I think on the maturity stuff, I mean, footballers... I'm 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 kind of in two minds about this because I, you know, footballers we do sort of forget how old some of them are. How old is Jordan Pickford? Twenty five. So he's twenty five. You know, I mean, he's great he age. Be, great age. Be, <laughs> but you know, he's he's a professional. He should be he should be behaving himself professionally now. And, and to be honest, I don't, I, you know, I don't think going to darts with your mates and having a few beers and, and acting like a bit of a lad at twenty five. Who who else shouldn't be in this room? But I don't think that he, I, I don't think being a footballer should stop stop you doing that. But here's a little here's a little sort of comparison. So at the moment, Jordan Pickford makes a bad mistake. We can see the goal, and everyone comes down on like a ton of bricks. Also on Saturday, Calvert Lewin, who we, we all love mm. at the moment, missed a very. It was a bad yeah. miss. It was a very bad miss. He should have burst the back of the net with that. But it was three one. Everyone likes Calvert Lewin yeah, at the yeah. moment. So that, that, quite, that's quite right. And I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying, they, they, to me, for a forward to miss a chance yeah. like that, and for a goalkeeper to let a goal in like that, yeah. are comparable mistakes. Absolutely. But, but because of where those players are and where those mistakes happened in the game, there is a disproportionate reaction to Pickford. That's what. That's my point. Now. Where I am ultimately with Pickford is if there is a better goalkeeper mm. that we can get to the club, then get him in. Because I'm, I'm not, I've got no pictures of Jordan Pickford on my bedroom wall. <laughs> you know, if That's we can get a better, yeah. if we can get a better goalkeeper, <laughs> fine. It's but, but we're not going to get a better goalkeeper between now and the end of the season. I don't know what the kind of lie the land is with goalkeepers. Generally, it seems nowadays to get a top-class goalie and you need to be spending upwards of 70, 
80, 80 million. And what did Liverpool spend? 75. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea spent big on their goalie. Um, you know, so, you know, goalkeepers cost a lot cost a lot of money. So I suppose to me it's just a bit of context. It's it's a bit of uh, proportion in, in the criticism and, you know, I think that's kind of that's kind of where I am on him. It's not a personal. He's my best mate. I'm going to defend him at all costs, but a little bit of proportion I think is needed. I think that the Carvalhoan example is interesting because if we go back to when he was missing those chances regularly, he was getting loads. Of, he was getting yeah. a lot of stick, and it's to his credit, I suppose that he's, you know, he didn't come out after games and, and talk about his form and say everyone's out to get me and all that sort of stuff. He just got his head down and started started yeah. scoring goals, and I suppose. Pickford's in a similar position now, but he's, he's obviously he's obviously done it differently, hasn't he? He's gone about it, and I don't think that people are just digging him out on the basis of, of Palace. It's what happened against Newcastle in the last few minutes. It's what some people said happened in the derby. It's it's various things throughout the course of the season that have sort of built up to this point and made a crescendo where now we're sat here having a conversation about Jordan Pickford. I, I think it, it'd be ridiculous to just, if he made one error go right. Is he good enough for Everton? Yes or no? It feels as though it's just been gradually building towards this point over time. But the difference there is, like we just alluded to before, one of those players is an England international, mm. and one of them isn't. So Calvert Loom was getting stick for being, a, and they're not that far apart in eight, two or three years. Calvert Loom was getting stick from the Everton fans on match days and no more. Jordan Pickford's getting it from the wider media, and that's why he's reacting. Mm. I don't think for one minute if Jordan Pickford was getting just a few jeers from the home fans of the game that it'd be this kind of reaction. But it's the whole country because he's England's number one. Because this pressure's on him, that's why he's probably feeling the need to react. And Calvert Lewin to all his credit, hasn't had that yet, that exposure. Maybe once we start him seeing getting in the England which he deserves, by the way, maybe then it's up for him to see how he handles the media. I think there are two positions in football that are, that are really where the criticism is always unfair. <coughs> the people who play up front and goalkeepers. When teams aren't playing well, we somehow, football fans, some, somehow still expect the forward to score goals hmm. and they still expect the goalkeeper to save every shot. Everybody else in the middle can get away with it by and large. <laughs> yeah. And my dad always used to say this to me: if, it, yeah. if the team's playing rubbish, why do we expect the forward to be hanging in goals? Yeah. If the defence are crap, why do we expect the goalkeeper to save every shot? I mean, you mentioned the Newcastle game, the, the uh, where, where they, they scored the last two goals. I mean, you know, we could we could we could sit in a pub around for hours about to what to why ultimately the goalkeeper's responsible yeah. for saving a shot when there's four defenders in the six yard box. Couldn't we really? I and mean, we're not gonna go down there because we're not sitting in a pub having a few pints. But you know, I is is, is it right to criticise a player if you don't think his attitude and his performances are to mark? Of course it's right to criticise. Do I think though at, at this point in the season with this particular player it's proportionate. No, I don't. Fair enough. Um, great stuff there. Really interesting chat. Uh, after the break, we'll have a chat about what's coming next for Everton and Carlo Angelotti. This is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Back to the next part of your podcast in a moment or two, but I just want to direct your attention to the Blue Room Extra, which is our subscription service for those of you who want a little bit more, well, a lot more from us in regards to content. It's patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. We have all sorts of different shows on there. Very different lineup to what we had previously for 2020. There's plenty of new things on there, including Series 2 of Diaries of an Old Lady, which gets you underway this summer. There's no obligation whatsoever. There's a back catalogue of tens of and hundreds of interviews that we've done with former players and legends, including that Diaries of an Old Lady Season 1. 
with the likes of Joe Royal, Graham Sharp, Kevin Sheedy, give us their greatest moments as we count down to Everton moving to Bramley Moor in a few years' time. Plenty of other shows coming up as well, brand new ones. We're adding more and more to the list as we go on. It's a really cheap price. It's around £3.99 a month. There's no obligation to sign up either. So you can try it for one month if you don't like it. Just cancel your subscription and we won't be charged any further by ourselves. So please check it out, patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. Now back to your podcast. It's the final part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. Debate still raging about Jordan Pickford <laughs> in the ad break there. Um, <laughs> sure, we'll get to the bottom of it eventually, but talk about him all week. Let's look ahead. Matt Jones is raging about No, him. I'm not, I'm not, not raging. I'll tell you what, I don't get raging about many things, Carl, when it comes to Everton <laughs> these days. Let's talk about potentially Everton beating some maybe not good sides actually the way that the way they're all playing over, over the next few weeks um, obviously Carl Angelotti's come in and had a, a big impact in regards to emboldening some of our game changes you know, the floor's been much better do you feel as though going into these sort of games where we're trying to end hoodoos at the Emirates slash Highbury and Stamford Bridge that the club is in a, a better position now than they have been for a while with someone like him at the helm well you go to these you go to these um, these you know big big games away from home and you've got to have a bit of confidence in your ability haven't you you've got to have something in your back pocket to to tell you that you can win in adversity because that you basically that that's where you are aren't you you know um and i think you know ancelotti the kind of the things that we hadn't done for ages winning away winning coming from behind to win you know um you know winning games when we haven't been playing that well they're all things in a way that should give the players a little bit of self-belief. Now, I watch Arsenal quite a lot because I have a housemate who's, a, who's an Arsenal fan and, and if there's a team I watch the same amount of as Everton, it's Arsenal. We can beat Arsenal. They've only won six games yeah. in the Premier League they, all season. We, we can beat Arsenal. You know, I think there's been a... You know, they are a team with lots of really good individual players but also enough players throughout that team who will get who give us a chance yeah. uh, to beat them? I think also as well, they've got a manager who is a novice manager, and I, as I've said to to my mate who's an Arsenal fan, I said he was he's been bumped up an awful lot, Arteta, and the history of football is strewn with the bodies of assistant managers who could never step up to be to be um, to, to be managers. And you know the jury's out. The jury's out on Arteta, and I think they're in a transition phase at the moment. That's going to be a lot longer than po- possibly ours will be. So I absolutely think um, we can beat Arsenal. Are beatable. Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, I think a bit more of an ask because I think Fr- Frank Lampard has proven to be a very astute manager. Um, you know they've had a few, you know, choppy results, but I, and I think he's kind of got them on a on a, on a bit of a, um, an upward. Uh, curve, uh, but the Arsenal game definitely. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to say I expect us to win. I would be gutted if we lose to Arsenal away. I really would be. It's mad that we're even having these conversations, and it really Ben, when you think about where yeah. Everton were and you know after that that five two derby game and, and Silver's gone and you know the, the teams in in the bottom three. But it's do, do, are you happy that the club are sort of have tapped into this talk straight away about we're going all out for Europe now? 
I mean, Carl, Carl's very many yeah. his head, but I mean, it, it seems as though that they're not tempering this. The, the seventh in the league, the five points off fourth place, albeit with a game in hand, and it feels like everyone's just embraced it and saying, "Oh yeah, of course, of course we are." Whereas it would have been quite easy for them to just go, "Do you know what? Season of transition. Still, we're taking our time, looking ahead to the next campaign." No, my sentiments entirely the same. Um, I think it's just a breath of fresh air for a manager to come out and be so positive. We've all had David Moyes down the years, you know, talk about sort of the glass ceiling that we mm. we can't breakthrough and then even Marco Silva with everything it seemed to be oh we'll see we'll take everything into account and you know take it game by game Ancelotti's too shrewd for all that Ancelotti knows the way to get everyone on side at the moment is positivity it's been so negative and so dark for for a good few months culminating in a terrible performance at Anfield that his form since we've come in especially well obviously just in the league it's just been it's been like I say a real breath of fresh air and you can't really look at Everton at the moment and think anything other than a team looking like they're going to yeah. start challenging for European place. Because you look at the teams now, like Wolves, teams like Wolves, and not so much less because they're having a particularly good season, but teams like that normally, they get all sorts of, they're the media darlings, they get all sorts of praise when such a well-run club and they're mm. set back. How many points were we away from? Are we, are we above Wolves now? They're actually? ninth in the league now, yeah. Exactly, yeah. you know, so... We look at that, and of course, like Carl's due to there with Arteta, it's going to be a big job for him. How come everyone in the media keeps talking about uh, Mikel Arteta? Is this, he's done this good job since he's gone in. He, he's not really won any games, really, of note, other than, I think, to beat United at home. So, Ancelotti's going about it quietly, not trying to sort of put his name about too much, but he's doing it so to keep the fans on side. And every game we get through and every hurdle we pass and every bit of points we take from each game makes make us grow in confidence. And to be fair, this for the first time in my life going to the Emirates or Highbury, and with Carl, I think we should be expecting to get something. I'm not saying I expect us to go there and win, but I will be disappointed if we come away from that game with a defeat because man for man, other than perhaps Aubameyang and Lacazette, there's not a lot in them teams that hasn't been for a while now. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a manager who has had to live up with the expectation of managing Real Madrid, Milan, Bayern Munich, to, na- to, to name yeah. just three of those clubs. So I don't think it's probably that much of a stretch for Carlo Ancelotti to raise the ambition level of Evertonians and Everton Everton Football Club. But, you know, it it does sound like rhetoric, but we all go on about with Evertonians. We play with a motto on our shirts that says, nothing nothing but the best is good enough. Now, all right, it's a bit cheesy, but, you know, we are currently seventh in the league. What, what the, the manager should be saying to the players, we can finish in the Europa League places because let's be honest, it's only the Europa League yeah. places. Yeah, it's only the Europa League. So as we are about where we should be, really, exactly. You know, and that's where yeah. that that is the least that we should be going for. Um, Especially in the league this, this season. season. The way so it I, is. I yeah. you know, I I listen to Ancelotti and I'm going, well, so you should. I'm glad he's doing it. I'm made up that he's doing it, but that's where we that's where we should should be saying, and it, you know. Liverpool fans hate everybody saying this, but this is a bang average league this season. Liverpool deserve to be where they are because they're so good and they've been playing so well. But beyond them, it's absolutely bang average this this league. And if we can't finish, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh in in this league, then you know, it's a poor show, isn't it? It's well, been a poor show. Yeah. Well, I'm not be funny. We're only eleven points away from Leicester. <laughs> Apparently, that, it's mad to say, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's mad to say. And yeah. then City aren't far ahead of them. So, I mean, I'm not trying to look too far ahead, but you look. Seconds on. Well, no, it's not on, but you know what I mean? You look at it and you think, 
you know, like I've alluded to, there with Wolves and everything getting so much praise, we're capable of even matching as much as Chelsea get this season in terms of points if we do it right. But this has always been the problem with Everton. Consistency. We always get ourselves into a good position and then blow it. And I'm hoping Carlo is going to turn the tide and be the one not to do that and we get a Europa League place. And you know what? Maybe even finish sixth or fifth. I'm not even aiming it at seventh and relying on the cups. Maybe Ancelotti can get us up there around sixth place, and we can break that, you know, imaginally amazing top six that everyone keeps going on about. You know, I'm loving all this positivity. I think it's, it's positivity. I think the, the difference this time is we're not deluding ourselves, are we? There's some foundation in that. We've, had some, we've had some yeah. difficult games where we've got results. You know, and we've got results when we haven't been playing that well. We've got a, a fellow who knows football in charge of the team. Now, you know, it, it, it is perfectly possible that the winter break, Arsenal are going to go back, get back to the drone board, rally all the players, that they could come out come out at that game and, and, and put in their best performance that they have under Arteta because they've had a bit of time to kind of adjust. But I, from what I've seen of Arsenal this season, and as I say, I've seen probably more of Arsenal than any other team other than Everton, We've got nothing to fear, and that's the main thing. Mm. Nothing to fear. Yeah. Just one last point yeah. before you finish off, Matt. It's just nice for the first time in my football Everton following life, we've got a world-class manager. There's no debate about a world-class manager, and I think that's where the positivity has all come from. Yeah, love it. Um, just before we do wrap up, one thing I was going to ask you both for you is, um, Jubilus, we obviously had a bit of a... <laughs> A nightmare, shocking, <laughs> didn't he? Oh. Have you have you ever gone? Have you ever gone to work with? Uh, uh, let me check. Missing miss a shock. It, yeah, no, it, I've got. I'm just checking under the. It dirt. was like, wasn't it? It completely discombobulated him as well because <laughs> he was rank when he came on as well, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. he, he was he was poor, and I I've quite enjoyed watching him play yeah. for Evan. I think he's given us given something to the team. But it's like he was completely discombobulated all Saturday. He couldn't get dressed properly and he couldn't play properly, the poor lad. Ancelotti uh, wasn't happy at all, was he? Oh, I thought he was. I thought like he'd have to, like, have gone for like a comfort break or something. No, I, I thought, thought it's exactly that. He's yeah. like, oh, he's clearly not ready here to, no, to come on. And Jason and he went to pull it up. <laughs> yeah. He went to pull the sock off and he had like the kind of under ankle yeah. sock thing Freezing, on. didn't you feel the breeze? And it was like Ancelotti, I tell you what, he, it was almost like Sadibe sleeps with the fishes. I tell I you, he was almost going to call Luca Brazzi in to, uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to finish him off. I can't believe like none of the players said like you've only got one sock on or something. No. Like well, that. Holgate and Tom Davis were playing rock, paper, scissors, so they, they were too oh, busy to notice. Who, get, who got the coats to cover the yeah. legs up, wasn't it? Apparently, one of oh, them's oh, definitely uh, hidden us. But sock. you know, in a way, it's kind of every, it's kind of triggered this debate of should we should we buy them yeah. at the end oh, yeah. of the season yeah. like you know well you know is that a, is that a four or against not, uh, like, <laughs> no. you know, I mean not on the basis of his ability yeah. to get dressed clearly I, I, just, I just love the comedy pause like as he went to do it it was like it was that moment of realisation like yeah Oh no! He's remembered to put a shin pad on, though. Has anyone else not noticed that? <laughs> it's not as if he's completely negated his responsibilities. He's clearly he's been, his other leg. He's, he's clearly been distracted in the uh, changing room by something, hasn't yeah, he? Like, you know, Carlo Ancelotti like. roaring team talk. I'm going with. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was at school, there's a lad who came in with his slippers on instead of his shoes once. Totally oh. forgot and locked him. Got locked out the house, so he had to walk around school in slippers all day. <laughs> That's still better uh, than not wearing a sock. It's one of them. Because Sadie, you know what I mean? Sadie must have felt the breeze. Yeah. It was it's beyond comprehension, isn't it? It is beyond comprehension. Remarkable stuff. Um, lads, pleasure. Ben, thanks very much for coming in. <laughs> okay, thanks for having me, Matt. Too, mate. Uh, even though you did slag Dom off, I think we can. Oh, no, I like him now. He's scoring goals. He's scoring goals now. As long as he keeps doing nice, fine. Brilliant stuff, Carl. Thanks as ever. I'm now running to the left to get down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. The swinging has got a lot more. Uh, 
well, intense. Intense. Being 180 foot up in the air in a gale. It's yeah. not my. It's uh, not a good place to we'll be. We'll parachute down. It'll Thanks. Be fine. <laughs> That's been your blue room here on Radio City Talk. I'll be back again same time next week. What makes for a great vacation depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.